Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start, if you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi everyone, welcome to the Car Chat Podcast, I'm Sam Moores and with me this week I have Nigel Redwood, hello. Hi Sam, how are you doing? Very good, thanks, very thanks. Can you tell the audience a little bit about sort of who you are and what you do? Yep, so uh, I'm Nigel Redwood, Uh, I head up the sales and marketing and commercial activities at Revolution Race Cars, Um, so responsible for everything from uh, go-to-market car sales, uh, arrive and drive in terms of race participation, uh, looking after the dealers around the world and uh, helping coordinate all the race series uh, around the world too. Nice. Did um, Have you been, how did this sort of journey start? Have you been in the automotive space all your life? or uh, I've been in motorsport, I would say, uh, for a very long time, but not not necessarily predominantly as my main career. Mm. Um, so um, actually my background is one of uh, being a CEO of a, a technology business, an A-listed business. But during okay. that time uh, in the early uh, 2000s, I uh, I raced, um, and one of the cars I raced was Radicals, and that's when I got to know Phil Abbott, who is the founder of uh, of Revolution Race Cars. Yeah. So um, when I uh, when I came out of the technology industry, Phil approached me uh, and asked um, if I'd be interested in uh, in one uh, having a test of a Revolution, but secondly, uh, if I'd like to uh, help him. Uh, at Revolution in terms of on the commercial side and, and it's come from there really so uh, yeah interesting um so way back when you first started doing some racing what were you, so were you exclusively racing radicals or do you race a bit of stuff and 
what no, drew race, you to race, them in the first place? Yeah, race a number of things over the years. So started in Formula Ford. Um, and actually, how I got involved with, uh, with Radical was that um, I was racing for Martin Donnelly, so MDR Racing back in the day. And um, when Martin got the uh, approval from the FIA to, to go racing again, uh, uh, he chose Radicals as the, as the car to do it. So I was racing for his Formula 4 team. And he said, uh, hey, do you fancy coming and doing uh, race uh, a race with me? It was his first race back, off, obviously, after his uh, accident at F1. And um, mm. So I didn't know uh, what car it was going to be. And uh, yeah, it turned out to be Radical, and, and, and it went from there, really. So... Um, I uh, absolutely loved right, uh, racing those cars, so I ended up doing a full season, uh, or a couple of seasons in, in Radical. I won the championship in 2006, nice. um, and then after that, I did uh, British GT as well, so a whole whole different spectrum of uh, racing from single-seater all the way through to oh. GT cars. And was that in the extremely lucky position of paid for by someone else, or was it somewhere in the middle? Somewhere in the middle, yeah. So... Uh, it was a, a bit of a combination where um, certainly in GT racing anyway, uh, if you if you could set up the car and, and bring some coaching skills, then you you bought less money than than the, yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. people you were racing with. So uh, yeah, it was never completely free, but uh, certainly didn't have to bring a full budget at the time. Wasn't too bad. What was what was GT racing like, and how did it sort of compare to the sort of prototype stuff? Uh, completely different. So. Uh, I raced uh, a Porsche 911 and then a Dodge Viper. Um, mm. And actually, out of those two, the Dodge Viper was, was an incredible car to race. You know, when you look at when you look at those cars, they're incredibly agricultural and, and very straightforward. Yeah. Um, but as a result, we're, we're, we're very predictable in terms of setup and, uh, and performance. So you could actually uh, set them up very well to each circuit and, and extract a lot of performance from them. So... Uh, really good but very different to prototypes you know obviously prototypes are all about um a high degree of downforce and uh, uh and performance so a very different driving style um you know with a, with a G, yes with a gt cars you have a little bit of downforce but nothing in comparison to uh to prototypes and something like a revolution how would you say that difference like what are you doing differently in a more of a downforce lightweight thing to a, a gt car uh, I guess with a with a with a downforce car, it's about learning. You, you have to be a little bit smoother, I would say, and it's about learning uh, actually how much speed you can take through the high speed corners. Um, I mean, with a with a high downforce car, if you're if you're not driving near the limit, actually, it, it feels a little bit harder to drive and, and a little bit slower. So you almost have to take yourself a little bit past the limit in, in order to then start to really feel the effects of, of the downforce car. Um, but Revolution have done have done their aero package really nicely on, on that front. They've spent a lot of time making sure that the that the the aero and the downforce is actually exploitable from any, any type of driver, really, from your from yeah. your driver right the way through to your the novice driver can exploit the the downforce quite nicely and you know if you do start to get the car sideways the downforce stays really consistent so it doesn't just suddenly go and you know some downforce cars the minute you get the car a little bit sideways it will you know the the airflow changes and you lose the downforce and spin um 
revolution. They've spent a long time making sure that actually the, the downforce works, uh, you know, in a, in a number of angles. So, so it's a very forgiving car from that perspective. How do you, how do you approach that? Because I've, I think that was one of the things with sort of my driving that I, I had in the back of my mind. It was like, right, yeah, okay, you're going really fast, you're pushing it. But what happens? Because you know, you, in your head, you know. Well, I know if you get a certain amount of sideways, you lose a lot of the downforce, and then like, see ya. <laughs> How do you approach building a car to make dive downforce at angles other than straight ahead? Uh, well, you're probably asking the wrong person actually, yeah. because um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But it, a lot of time is spent with CFD and, and right, okay. modeling the aero from from that perspective, and you know that looks at drag, but also uh, you know, how the how the aero is applied to the car, depending on on, on the direction of the of the, um, the, the, the the force and the wind is coming. So um, I think with the you know with the use of cfd you can spend a lot of time remodeling the the aerodynamics of a car with all of those types of things in consideration i mean if you're just using purely a rim tunnel then you know the limited amount of time you've got in that but also you're remodeling remodeling everything in physical terms is, is much more yeah. difficult whereas with cfd you can spend a lot of time over and over and over and making sure that the, the model works um and then it will be down to you know does that translate on the track once uh, once it's built? Yeah, I'd never really thought about it. They modeling not linear forward backwards because when you ever see a wind tunnel, it's always just the cars lined up, the smoke's going over it, and you you never I never thought in this really about obviously cars are dynamic and they don't necessarily travel forward. They might have an angle on. In an ideal, they have an angle on. Even in the yep. the perfect world, you've got a couple of degrees of slip in your tires and stuff. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, a, is... a, a four wheel slip and drift is, is the yeah. is the quickest way around the corner, right? And so yeah. you've got to build that into got to build that into the aero model, and 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 the guys at Revolution have done that so well. It's yeah, and it's one thing that anyone that jumps in the car says that you know actually they kind of expected a real high downforce. You know, if they've come from a no downforce car or low yeah. down to this, they kind of expect you get into it and it just drives like it's on rails. But the reality is a car on the edge never drives like it's on rails. Yeah. It's, you're always driving it uh, on the edge in that nature. And they all say just how predictable the car is at that point, you know, when it gets to that point where it begins to move. Um, and you watch some of the onboard footage, you know, when when um, when someone's really driving a, a quick lap, you can actually you can actually see how the wheel and the car is all all reacting at, at, the, at the corner entry and midpoint and exit. And yeah. It's, uh, they're, yeah. they're really rewarding to drive on that front yeah because I, I imagine a lot of people and, and myself included like before getting in a high downforce car or the, the first time you get in one or when you start getting used to them you see something like f1 especially modern f1 and it just looks like they just turn in and they go around the corner and then off they go and you're like well that's how it is the reality is they are incredible and they are right on that limit but they've got it so that they're not correcting like yep. you know, they're not they're not correcting. But if they were a little bit worse, you would see the small movements, and those cars are probably a little, are much more sensitive to getting it wrong. Um, and, then, and yeah, the, yeah. And the reality is, they probably are 
you know, when you, as you say, you know, the steering is so sensitive in a car like that, and they probably are just minuscule correcting yeah. at all points when yeah, it's no big movement like this, yeah. but, you, you know, they, they are correcting mid-corner, no doubt, I would think. Yeah, and like when you get into a car like the Revolution for the first time, is it how long do you think it takes the typical person that comes for a test to like get over the fact it is what it is? Yeah, it, it, and it really is different. So, I'll give you an example at Silverstone, we had uh, uh, a driver called Jonathan Mitchell uh, in the car. That was his first race weekend, and in a in a Revolution. Mm. And he'd come from historic, so he'd done a lot of historic racing. So he, he raced an E-Type, which, of course, has got no, no downforce whatsoever. Done a lot of caterums and things like that. So he's obviously driven cars that have a lot of movement, but he'd never necessarily driven a car with, with a high degree of downforce. I think he had actually driven one um, prototype car, but it was an historic prototype. So, again, okay. completely, completely different. Um and he got in the car and he was straight away up to speed. And so much so up to speed, uh, the, the second race, uh, um, he won outright. Um, nice. So in the, in the uh, ZO uh, prototype challenge and the sports prototype cup, yeah, he, he won uh, outright in front of all the other manufacturers. So there was things like Pragas, there was Radicals, obviously other revolutions and things. So that's a really good example of a very good experienced driver in, in something that hasn't got downforce has jumped in a revolution and just been able to exploit it. And, um, you know, he, he had the test day on, on the Friday and it was qualifying in two races on the Saturday. Um, and you just saw his confidence build from, from, mm. from Friday onwards. So he's probably a, an example of the quickest person I've seen get up to speed <laughs> with it. Um, yeah. uh, Whereas it can take others a little bit more time, but that's an example of you know if you if you're racing a lot and you jump in it, normally people can get up to speed with it quickly. Yeah, and like you said, the cars are drivable. Like they're not. It's, I guess, it's just got more grip. You've just got more grip, but it still drives like a norm. Like I say, like a normal car, but like they do. Yeah, it's just quicker. If- <laughs> and if you look at if you look at our customer base, we've got such a, a wide, varied, varied levels of, of experience. So we've got, um, you know, in total now we've we've sold about forty four cars around the world, and we've got customers that have never raced and haven't got a race license, right the way up to kind of people that are on the journey to the Mans and want yeah. to be a professional driver. And if you take the the, the guys that never raced before, for example, so. With with those guys, we'll do them a package whereby we'll say, okay, we we can sell you the car, but we'll also do you a kind of an eighteen month program of track day time where mm. we will help you. We will help you get the most out of the car during that period with with coaching. We'll run the car so you don't have to worry about finding a team to run it. So we'll run the car, we'll prep the car, we'll take it to an agreed number of events for you, and we will, you know, we'll provide. Uh, a driver coach and someone to help you through on that journey to the point where you you're you're then ready to enter a race and things like that so we've got a couple of customers going on journeys like that um and you'd think wow if you've never raced before why would you choose you know why would you choose a revolution but yeah you know actually one of the big advantages of something like a revolution is that it is a two-seater car right um so you know you can have a driver coach sitting next to you 
you've got all the driver aids uh, and all the data much more so than in than in probably lesser lesser class cars so i mean one of the big philosophies of of phil when he was designing the revolution was to kind of bring lmp standards down to national and club motorsport so that means you know the car's got a whole number of different throttle maps a whole number of different traction control uh, maps all adjustable on the steering wheel and actually that makes it absolutely ideal for, for 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 people just getting into racing because they can easily tune from the steering wheel all of the driving uh kind of uh techniques to really get to um to to help them get to up to speed with the car even down to for example the power assistant steering you can change how light it is or how heavy it is and, and things like that so two seats very forgiving aero configuration all this technology to to help the driver it actually means for for kind of people new to motorsport it gives them a very wide uh, set of tools to to really help them help them race and then on the other end, you've got kind of your, your semi-pro drivers that are trying to get to to LMP and, and make mm. a make a career in motorsport. The, again, the car is absolutely ideal for them because you know that from a setup perspective, the, the window is so massive in terms of what, what you can do with it. Um, Performance-wise, you know, it's very close to LMP3 lap times, um, and so but for a fraction of the cost really yeah um and also the you know the the one of the big philosophies of the car was to really make sure that you you've got long intervals on rebuilds and, and things like that so right, okay. you know people can get into it and run them for a long period without having to kind of consistently rebuilding the the engine and things like that on a regular basis so for the guys that are heading towards a, a le mans type trajectory they're great cars because they can do a lot of miles in them and so on and so forth without you know really having a substantial rebuild cost or um, number of rebuild cost during the year interesting what sort of things like looking at that like the ability to run it for a long time without between rebuilds and what what sort of things have been designed and built in to enable that well, I mean, the whole design of the car has got some really clever um, innovations, really, and, and they're probably simple when you talk talk about them. Well, they seem simple, but they're very rarely found on a race car. So, right. for example, you know, a race team kind of running a car like that, you want to try and minimise the amount of spares that they hold, for example, because okay. all of that obviously contributes to to your budget throughout the year. So what we've done is make the same parts reusable around the car so uh, okay. for example there'll be bits on on each corner that is exactly the same on all four parts of the car but they just turn around and, and flip depending on oh, right what nice. side it is so instead of having to have four bits for each corner you carry one bit and you know you've got that part for all four corners of the car so it's innovations like that that really uh help uh, a team in terms of their of their budget and, and things like that. Um, so when the car's been sat down and planned, it is all about you know how can how can uh, we extend the life of, of things like that and help. Um, so it's the same in terms of engine and gearbox. You know we're not running, you know we're not running the engine and gearbox to the absolute limit where it's um, you know it's all 
slightly tuned back to make sure that uh, it's got a good life and things like that. That said, we're still extracting 500 horsepower from from a from an engine that starts with uh, probably 300 on horsepower. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, it's we 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 haven't taking things right to the edge to the knife edge uh, purposely to make sure that they you know things are reliable and uh, uh, you can get good life and mileage out of the car so yeah talking about the engine what um things i'm interested to know yeah one what what have you done to the engine what is it it's, i know it's a ford v6 but presumably modified a reasonable amount yeah, so um, we do take a, a Ford V6 crate engine and, and do a number of uh, different things to it. Uh, and ultimately, we're, we're taking it from 280 horsepower stock uh, all the way up to 500 horsepower on the, uh, on the 500 SC. So the guys do a number of, uh, a number of things to, uh, to the engine to, to achieve that. Um, so the stock oil pump's removed uh, and it's replaced with our own uh, bespoke dry sump system um, and that actually does something really important it lowers the center of gravity uh, on the engine by about 63 millimeters uh, okay, uh, quite a lot. And, and that allows to get the car the engine to sit a lot lower in the car which obviously helps with the weight distribution and, and handling um, the stock intakes removed uh, and replaced uh, with a premium a manifold from from ourselves uh, and the cast exhaust uh, are removed and replaced with tubular manifolds. Um, again, all around uh, focusing on, on performance. Um, we, we've just introduced a new clutch system to it, actually. So a centrifugal clutch to it. So essentially that enables someone to jump in the car uh, and have a true two pedal experience. So in a normal, obviously in a normal race car, you've got, three pedals a clutch yeah. and you and you pull off in first gear using the clutch and then you're not using the the clutch yeah. to change it through the gears now you can actually pull off without even needing the clutch um oh nice like a, and, a bit like a, a go-kart from that perspective okay and not and it's not on a on a clutch paddle no uh so it's still uh, it's not on a clutch paddle at all so you still got the the paddles behind the steering wheel to to change gears um so you press a budding to say that you're going to select a gear you select a gear uh, and then the clutch doesn't uh, kind of engage drive until you get to a certain number of revs so you just put your foot on the accelerator rev and, and it pulls off yeah um, nice. and, and actually that has a number of advantages one um it helps protect the engine so yeah. uh, if you if you spin for example yeah. in a supercharged car and, and the engine runs backwards you can damage the engine or the supercharger uh, if you don't dip the clutch with a, with this type of clutch system it just dips for you automatically nice. so again kind of with the idea that we're trying to get our customers to, to have limited number of uh, rebuilds and longevity just innovations like that help protect help protect the engine from uh, from that perspective um, and also the the other advantage is it's just a very consistent pull off. So, you know, if you've got a driver that's r really revving the en the engine to pull off, it's obviously going to wear through the clutch much more quickly. Whereas with something like this, you're just pulling off and uh, and you know, it's exactly the same each time. So again, it makes the the clutch life much more predictable and things Does, like that. Can you do a standing start? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can do a standing start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how does that work? Uh, so you uh, literally we'd have your foot on the brake, and as soon as the lights go out, you'll just floor it, and uh, it will 
it will do the rest for you. Um, so, uh, okay, I mean, okay. the, the reality is it, in in prototype racing, they're they're always rolling starts. Yeah, so it's um, no problem. But um, but you can still do a burnout if you really want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, so that fit- the. Sorry, and then the other bits. Um, we obviously had a supercharger to uh, to, to the 500. Um, the stop water pumps removed, and we replaced it with twin water pumps. Um, and again, that enables us to mount the engine closer to the tub um, mm. by about 70 70 millimeters, uh, which again helps with weight distribution. So not only are we lowering the engine, but we're also getting it closer to the tub. Uh, and then everything's fully ported and, and the engine balanced by, uh, we use our RLM to do that. Um, so it takes it to about 500 horsepower uh, in uh, in total. And what weight is that? Of the the car? engine or, or, or the car, the, the car itself. So probably the, uh, the, the more important stat uh, on that will be kind of the, the power to rate ratio um so power to rate ratio is about 599 brake horsepower to the ton um pretty quick so, yeah, <laughs> yeah so so in total it, it's about 830 kilograms uh, yeah. which works out about 599 brake horsepower per ton um but what we're what we're doing at the moment actually is going through a weight reduction program um mm-hmm. so um, we want to try and get that under uh, 800 kilograms. It's already class leading in terms of brake horsepower per ton, anyway. So you know, yeah. if you look at radicals or 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 LMPs or things like that, then the Marauder uh, doing really well on that, anyway. Um, but we still want to reduce it, uh, lighten it up further. Yeah, and then the uh, the sort of front weight, front rear weight balance bias, whatever the correct term is. Is it rear a bit, presumably? Yeah, yeah, rear, rear slightly. But again, because we we wanted to make the car extremely drivable, what you don't want is you know a lot of a lot more weight over the rear, and you kind of create that pendulum effect. Yeah. Um, so again, when you when you've got the car on the edge and and, you, and you're um, you know you know you're playing that you're getting the car to dance you want it to be want it to be predictable so um yeah we, the, the car is designed to be as as neutral as possible from that front yeah and presumably actually being rear a little bit at, if you're looking at doing sort of up the racing tree and you want to go p3 p2 whatever they're all rear a little bit i yeah. think i believe yeah. um so you're you're you have you're learning to deal with that setup that you will be dealing with as you go up um yeah rather than like i think my my sr3 is like pretty in the middle and i noticed i I had to go in a revolution a while ago now two years ago maybe um and it felt it did feel a little bit more back like you definitely had to i guess you have to drive them slightly differently um but you had a significant amount more shove than my SR3, yeah. which uh, yeah, I, I, down the straights I mean, is for good. Yeah, I mean, when you look at like the Gs that are generated, for for example, you get about one G in acceleration. So it, it really is a big shove when, um, you know, and then if you combine that kind of with the, the, the lateral G-force of you're getting close to 3G and it's up at about 2.8, 2.9, you, the forces that go through your body. I mean, so yeah, so I mean, I race an SR3, back in the day and they were fantastic cars but it's taking the kind of the forces on your body to another another level yeah. of the revolution um, yeah yeah, yeah. and i great. imagine 
like a lot of the do you have a lot of american customers or people that have um we do so it's a so club it, type situation yeah so america's actually our biggest market at the moment so out of the 44 45 cars we we've sold um like 23 24 of those have gone to the states already yeah. um and you've got um kind of two markets over there so as you say you've got these country clubs um which are which are fantastic things so you've got amazing racetracks that are kind of you have to be a member to to uh, to race there yeah and a lot of these country clubs you can buy a plot of land and have a house and a garage on the side so so these guys will keep their cars there and then and then jump in and, and run them happy days and again back to back to what we focus on in terms of making them reliable and, and run for a long time you know great for those country club type customers because they can you know jump in and, 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 and go lap after lap so yeah so we're working with uh three three dealers in the states so we've got a dealer in texas in the middle of the country uh uh on the east coast uh, and then on the west coast so we've got kind of three dealers that we're trying to cover all of the states with and, and naturally kind of those country clubs are, are good markets for them um and then we've got guys that want to race you know so we, we started the sports prototype cup north america um so that these guys if they want to race competitively they can so i'd probably say about a quarter no, no about a third about a third of the customers that that have bought revolutions uh, about a third of them use them to uh, to race over there um whereas the others are kind of using them at, at these country yeah. clubs and track days and, and things like that um, but i actually think the, the sports boats cup, cup north america um it's got some of the you know some of the best tracks um I mean, if, I, if i have a quick look and just tell you the tracks that they've gone to so uh they did road atlanta then sonoma sonoma uh, then laguna seca um they got mid hawaii in a, in a week or so's time then road america um then virginia international raceway then spring mountain and then they finished the year at cota so some of the most amazing circuits yeah yeah, yeah. um so um yeah america kind of spoiled really in terms of i think for for the sports prototype cup north america they've just got such a good timetable um so it's a and big I, market for us i don't know my i wouldn't say i necessarily know my american tracks very well but i've pretty i think i've heard of all of those pretty much yeah yeah so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so they must be they must be at, at least a certain level of you know international fame to have, have come over here to someone that's not not been over there driving yeah um, absolutely yeah what, um yeah. what's the sort of is your pitch or the the reason why someone might you'd sort of try and get someone in a revolution rather you know okay we've both done some radical racing and they're still around what what might be some advantages of getting in a revolution versus a nsr3 or something i think that the revolution is just taking everything a step forward so you know if you just start with the tub for example mm -hmm. you know it's a full carbon fiber tub um so it makes it incredibly light but incredibly strong at the same time so straight away safety is, is yeah. a big plus point especially in the in the states and we're, we're just breaking in, into australia as well so again safety is really important so you know a carbon full carbon fiber safety cell is much more safe and strong than you yeah. know a, a steel space frame for, for for example um so i think you know a lot of the people that are making a, a jump to to a revolution certainly in the states that does come into yeah. into into the decision 
I think the other side is is the technology um, and and the downforce. Um, you know, we've already talked about how everything's kind of a little bit on steroids from everything from kind of the one G yeah. acceleration through to how it breaks and handles. Um, and then the technology to really back that up, you know, the different throttle maps and the adjustable power assisted steering, the, the traction control, you know, all things like that that can be refined from within within the cockpit um, really attracts drivers to it. Really, you know, they can um, 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 they can they can really enjoy and, and, and extract a, a lot of performance out of it. And then the final thing, the lap times, you know, the, the yeah. speed is what it's all about isn't it and you know when you're when you can lap close to lmp times um lmp3 times i should say then uh it, it becomes attractive at, at this price point so um you know people moving from radical to revolution I, I think take all those types of things into account um i mean what i would say is that we're still building all the race series around the world and things like that so i think as the years go on actually the the level of competition will increase. Um, yeah. You know, right now, if I look at the sports prototype North America, there's two or three guys that are having some great battles over there. Um, but you want that to be, uh, you want that to be 15, 20 it's people that are having it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, they're getting good grids, um, but I think in time, as more and more people move into something like a revolution, then, then the competition will get, uh, the driving competition will get higher and that will then attract more people. So right now it's the car that's doing all the attraction. Um, yeah. and, but I think also the race series will, will begin to do that as well uh, over time. Yeah. The, the safety thing, I, that's, I think feel like that's the sort of easy sell to everyone is you go, if you're coming into this space, let's just, let's just say you're someone that's got lots of money and you're like, I would like to do some serious looking racing and, when I started getting into this, it was like, I want to drive something that's not like a road car. Like I had a nice fast road car and I was like, okay, I want something that's faster and a bit different and maybe some downforce. And that's how I sort of ended up in, in my route. But I can see radicals. We have, I think there's a problem at the moment where they've introduced a halo and everyone knows halo is better. Like it's safer, but it's slower. And, and the weight, like just putting it in the car and whatever and having the option of not running it or running it, you might choose to run it, yep. but you know that you've added a bunch of weight up and it's going to be slower. So you've got that question. In the revolution, it's been built in from the beginning. You don't have the choice. They've all got it. So that removes that side, which is sort of an element. Yeah, and and you know, we we were the first to do kind of this double halo design. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and... The, the the whole car is FIA tested from the front crash structure, the roll protection, the the safety cell, the fuel cell, all, all FIA crash crash tested. Um, so you know the we haven't kind of put stuff on the car and said it's going to be more safe. It, these have been stringently tested, and yeah. you know it's uh, it's it's a big part of the design, the, the exceeding the, the the standards to make sure that. Um, um, you know, our guys can go racing uh, as safely as possible, but also as quickly as possible. Yeah, and with a with a carbon tub, presumably there's 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 lots of benefits benefits of having a carbon tub. Are they? Do you have to repair them very often? I, I feel like carbon tubs are one of the things that you they take a lot of abuse, but if they get to the point where they've broken, you're almost glad. You're like, oh, I'm kind of glad. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for a new tub. <laughs> At least I'm here. Uh, yeah, it, it, incredibly rare, rarely. And, and I say incredibly rarely. I think we, we've had one uh, client that's needed to replace a tub uh, after an accident, and it was a, a massive accident. Um, but, yeah, I am, they're so strong and stiff um, the whole idea is the rest of the car crumples a, a, around yeah. in an accident and the tub stays absolutely solid and safe for protecting the driver. Um, for, you know, for, for example, in the opening round of the Canadian Championship, um, uh, there was an accident whereby uh, a revolution came over the crest of the hill and there was a, a formula car stationary sideways oh, in, in, in the middle of the road. And uh the the revolution went into it and the and the the car that it went into actually landed on top of the halo um Jeez. and the the driver and the uh and the race team said you know in any other car that would have been an absolute disaster both in terms of kind of injury and and the car as it was in the revolution the driver was absolutely fine and in the rev and there wasn't a a massive amount of damage to the revolution yeah um you know there was a front end and, and that was that was pretty much the limit of it you know so um uh, it does make a difference when when the safety cell and the halo is all designed in as one yeah. kind of safety safety unit um from the very start and, and and built into the design and the whole ethos of the car um absolutely it just uh, it, they, they're as safe as they can be really yeah, that's one of those sort of situations that you're like, it's kind of good PR and bad PR. It's like, these things can happen racing. That's a negative. But the car was completely fine and the driver was completely fine. That's a plus. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, and that's the reality, isn't it? You know, everyone knows that, you know, sport racing is, to a degree, uh, dangerous. You know, we, 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 you, you do risk yourself when you go in. And I think what we can do is, you know, we give our clients the... The best possible chance that they can go racing yeah. and, and be as safe. You, you, you just look at what and how F1 has evolved over the over the years, um, and the accidents that happen in F1 now, and they walk away. This is this is exactly the same. You know, we we want to take club motorsport or national motorsport, and we've elevated the, the safety standards uh, as far as absolutely possible, um, so that um, yeah, so that. Um, people can enjoy racing for a very long time yeah a, a, a friend of mine uh, drives an lmp3 car and he had a crash the other day which was it was so horrific he was driving down the start finish straight at the end of a race and for some reason no one knows the car in front of him just before crossing the line like lifted off yeah and he, he was like on his bumper and he basically went into the back of him to, went sideways and went straight into the wall at like big, 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 big speed. And the tub. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In front of his feet, like was basically destroyed. Wow. His feet are still there and the pedals are still there, but there was like a big ass hole in front. And you're like, oh, I'm glad I was in a carbon tub, but like, geez, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, carbon's an amazing thing. You know, when you look at how, uh, I, I can't remember what the stat is, but James, uh, James Abbott in the fact she told me something about you could you know, literally put a, London bus on drop a London bus on top of it and it would uh, it, it would just take goes it. So, yeah. and what yeah 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 no. yeah which which does highlight how how big some of these forces are when you see damage you're like oh yeah driving into a wall at 140 miles an hour funny enough like it's amazing that people can walk away you, know, you see some of the insane F1 crashes you know they've walked away yeah and you know it, and you capture all the G-forces now in, in an accident through the mm. data. And so you can see some of the forces that go through. And, you know, even when one of our customers has a small accident, you know, we ask that the data get sent back to the factory. The factory are looking through that data to look at, you know, what forces did go through certain elements and, and things like that so we can make any recommendations. And it is it is amazing how much force is generated in accidents, no matter how big and quick the accident is there's still substantial forces going on yeah um, and that's why it's so important to you know to have these types of carbon fiber safety these cells because you know, it doesn't matter how big the accident is you know a small one can still be a, a big one in reality yeah it's that classic like I've, I've heard people say like oh why do you need a carbon helmet and you're like i don't know do you need how much do you value your head until you need it like yeah fine but anyway, yeah, it's um, a bit a bit similar. The hands devices. So when I was racing in oh, yeah. two thousand five or four, you know, the hands device had just come in, right? And, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, it was actually my partner that said we watched uh, we watched the document documentary on on the hands device and how it was developed. Mm. And we sat there and watched that, and minute finish, you went, "You're not going racing again without a hands device." And it was just like. And then they weren't mandatory and very few yeah. people were wearing them. And you think now it's awkward. like, yeah, you think now no one even thinks twice about putting a hands device on and, you know, no one should think twice about getting in a carbon safety cell in reality, should they, you know? Yeah. If you can, yeah. I think if you can afford it, like if you're yeah. going to do the racing and, you know, people racing all sorts of stuff, but in the sort of speeds involved in any racing, really, it's slightly worrying how fast you can go in something that is really slow. Especially yeah. like, like look at all the classic races. Like they're still going fast. They just don't stop very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, for, or forgivingly, neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one which I feel like should be called a hands device that I did a little bit of MX5. And I did a race and then I saw that everyone had these th- straps around yeah. their arms. And I was like, what's, what's that? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You put these straps around your arms because if you don't and you roll over or something, your arm. Your hands can- flying up. 
fly out of the window and then just get crushed against a wall. And they're like, yeah, that guy over there, he's only got one arm because his arm went out. And you're like, oh, sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, they strap it to the lap belt, don't they? So yeah. they strap it into your arm so you can... Like when I first saw that, because they in in the states they make that mandatory, um, and and this year I was lucky enough to race at Laguna Seca in the in the sports prototype. Oh, nice, North America, and I'd never seen those. And uh, we were going through scrutineering, and they were like, "Oh, have you got have you got these restraints?" I was just like, "What?" You know? Yeah. And I had to go and borrow some off off another driver because you know I'd never heard of them. But yeah, they all wear any open cockpit over there. You have to have these things, and. Um, you know, you'd think that it would actually restrict your movement, but it doesn't at all. Uh, you know, no. it restricts you putting your hand up in the air, but when you're driving, it doesn't restrict your movement at all. So, all these types of developments, they, they can't be yeah. bad. They're looking after us. And I've I've never used them in a in a radical, and I I sort of did that experience, got back in the radical, and then looked at it again and went like, should I be wearing these in the radical? And I I think you immediately justify why you're not doing it because you haven't brought any with you and you're not wearing them, and you go, well, I'm a lot <laughs> deeper in the car. Like I'm a lot deeper in the car. It's not like I can just put my hand out the window like that. I'd have to raise yeah. it up at least six inches before it could go out of the car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How was um, racing at Laguna Seca? Oh, it was it, uh, absolutely amazing. Um, although the, the promised weather of California didn't, didn't materialize. It was <laughs> freezing. For We were there for four days. We got there on the Thursday. and uh, So they, they, they've got a brilliant format over there. They uh, they they have testing on the Thursday, they do a quali on the Friday, and then they race Saturday and Sunday. But also the Sunday morning, they have, a, they have an hour enduro. So they have two sprint races, one on the Saturday, one on the Sunday. They have an hour enduro on, on the Sunday morning as well. Yeah. So race time-wise, you know, seat time-wise, fantastic. They get, they get a load of seat time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it, was, it was absolutely brilliant. The circuit is... It, I mean, even driving into the circuit is daunting. It doesn't your theme. <laughs> Have you, have you been? I've been as a, I've yeah. been like just as a random person and watched so, some stuff there. So you turn in, and you know the drive up to to get into the paddock is kind of up this windy hill yeah. with, with big drops off the side, and and you're driving everything. Where's the circuit? You know. And yeah. So even just to get in the place is daunting, um, and then you, you know obviously the famous uh, turn is the corkscrew, um, and I'd say your stomach does go the first two times you go down it. You you do. Yeah, you know, your stomach goes a little bit the first couple of times you go down there. So, um, yeah, really, uh, really fantastic track. And what's it like in something like a revolution? Because presumably you don't have your vision's like not that good in a car like that and dropping off steeply down a hill. Like, are you just planted at that point? <laughs> You're like, I've got to go somewhere towards some trees over there. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you, you pick a you kind of pick. You're right. You pick a tree to aim yeah. at, but it falls away pretty quickly. So you do actually see it. You know, you do actually see it really quickly. Yeah. I'd probably say at Donington coming onto the back straight is you probably see a little bit less there. You know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. compared to the corkscrew. So um, as you're coming up to the corkscrew, you're in your braking zone, and you can see the foot. You can see your first apex. So you, you know if you're going to get your first apex soon, the truck drops away, and you see the second apex. So it's not as it's not as bad as uh, not just cruising up, yeah. Front end wheeling along, but but <laughs> but yeah, absolutely fun. And and if you walk up it and have a look at it, it it's a little bit like uh, Zandvoort. You don't really realise how banked the banking is until you walk on it, and it's a bit the same at uh, right at the corkscrew. Yeah. You know, it's it's much steeper if you just walk it as opposed to sit in the car through it. 
yeah, yeah. I was there to take take some photos, but I was I could only I think I had about forty five minutes there, so I just legged it on the inside. It's like okay, I've got to do some for the pits, and then you run all the way up to the hill. And you're like, <laughs> I'm at the top of the hill, and then there's another car come past, and you're running around. You're like, oh, this is quite intense. It it does also feel like really old and backwards, if that makes sense. Like there's like nothing there. No, no, yeah, and, and it, it in fact like all of the little uh, towns around it the same. So yeah, all of the restaurants closed at nine o'clock at night. All of them closed <laughs> at nine. So and you. You know, you go to a race meeting and you, we're there with the factory and quite regularly you'll be at the racetrack past nine o'clock, won't you? Yeah. Prepping the car and getting ready. So the first night that we kind of prepped the car, we all stayed back. And we, you know, went back to the hotel expecting to be able to get a meal. And every single restaurant's closed after nine o'clock. It's just Nightmare. like, what? You know, and, and that kind of just sums the, the place up, really. It's all just a little bit, you know, relaxed and uh, and a little bit dated, but in a nice way. Yeah, and and it feels historic oh yeah you you do you kind of get that tingling when you drive in and <laughs> you you come in and you look over you can see the pit and paddock complex and you can see you know, they've got like the corkscrewing writing a bit like hollywood haven't they yeah. on the side um very american um so yeah it does it feels it just feels really good um mm. i mean interested we were there the race meeting we were at was meant to be the first race meeting where the new race surface would have been used right um as it was i think we were the last uh, meeting okay. that used the old surface so it's still very bumpy nice. and you know so yeah incredibly for us it was an incredibly bumpy circuit and uh yeah i suppose we got to see laguna and it's old uh, in, in the way it should be seen i guess yeah 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 although it's quite nice having a bit of fresh tarmac <laughs> <laughs> has the um has the car changed much since i i guess it was launched yeah i i mean i guess these cars are called prototype for a reason um because they are always being developed um you know in terms of the the look of the car um they, they obviously haven't changed uh, a, a massive amount uh, from launch but the underneath have changed that we are always iterating the the performance of them uh and the different systems and things like that so you know uh, and all of those changes we offer back to to the customers right, okay. as, as, as upgrade paths and things like that. So, for example, you know, just the different drive throttle maps and things like that, just to make the car more drivable and, and think, you know, that's always been iterated and worked on. And the more miles we do, the more we can learn. And so, things like that, we can easily give back to, to yeah, the customers. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned that centrifugal clutch, for example. Um, you know. We sell that as, a, as an upgrade kit for for customers, so they can they can move to that. So, all the all the developments that we do on the car, um, with it being a prototype, is all always being constantly developed. We we do then offer that back back to the customers as well. Um, and and you know we've now got a four two seven model and a five hundred model, which is the horsepower. We did have lower horsepower in 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 the very early models, for example, yeah. but we sold upgrade paths so people could upgrade to a you know, from a 427 to a 500 if they wanted, for, for example. Yeah. Um, and we've, you know, we've got a number of developments in, in the pipeline based on customer feedback. Um, you know, we, we've now got some really experienced customers that own these cars and, and race them. Um, and they'll feedback thoughts and opinions and, and as much as, you know, our development drivers do as well. 
um, and uh, we, we take all that on board and, and that, that we've got a kind of development roadmap that uh, that um, we're always working on. What sort of things? Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'll be a bit <laughs> careful about what I can say. So I, I think I've already mentioned kind of the, the weight. You know, there's a yeah. there's a big there's a big program of, of weight reduction, um, and that's everything from the carbon turb all the way through to okay. uh, the roll bar, the halo, um, things like that. Uh, we're working on uh, different gearing and, and, and things like that. Uh, um, there will be different wheel size options in the future, uh, again, because people might want it to handle slightly differently depending on, on, on their use. We're working what, on... Working the on wheel sizes? Yeah. What does does what changing the wheel size do? Well, I guess I, I guess fundamentally it's about how much grip you can have at the rear. So, you know, some drivers like to have a lot more movement at the rear, and and and, and others prefer less movement. Um, oh, okay, like so width-wise. Yeah, yeah, contact contact patch-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the other thing we're doing is also some developments on what we call an enduro pack. So we've got some customers. Uh, it's particularly state sides that want to be doing six, twelve-hour races. Yeah. 24-hour races in, in, in some scenarios and so you know the ideal car for that is a 427 because one you can get a lot more uh, uh, miles from a fuel tank for example yeah. um, and um, you know with a 427 you're not running a supercharger so it's one less component and things like that so we're doing um, some enduro development at the moment so we can offer kind of a customers an enduro kit if they want to go and do these long long races and things like that so yeah it's Would it's development like, like that lights are possibly a bigger tank those sorts of things lights bigger tank dry dry fuel system dry brake fuel system so you can fill it up quickly um okay. a bit of uh, a bit more redundancy in in ancillary parts um you know so you'll you'll have two of more more of the ancillary things so you can switch between systems if if you get a fault and things like that nice nice i think uh, i'm all for more more time like if i could do a six hour race rather than a 30 minute race every single time of the, like it's just it's just your chance of getting track time increases significantly you don't just get someone stuff it in the first corner and that's it see you next yeah. weekend <laughs> yeah although it does amaze me you know you watch these endurance races and they are going for it, you know. They're not. No one's really thinking. Oh, you know, no, no, you know, no. They're, they're still driving. Okay, maybe not a hundred percent, but they're they're still certainly. I'd say ninety five percent on it oh, most of the time. You're yeah. still on it. It's yeah. just purely a logistical situation. If someone crashes, there is time to take their car and get it off the track and keep racing. Whereas keep in a sprint, right, yeah, yeah. there just isn't time. Yeah, it gets your safety car and you follow the safety car around. And yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Did you on on the safety car? Did you follow the changes at Le Mans this year with the safety yep. car? Um, so, it's, so it's now like an American system, yeah. Where you can yep. all line. So what happens? So the safety car comes out. You can all line up, and if you're lapped as such, you can unlap. Unlap, yeah, 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 yeah. That to me sounds like a. I get it, but I think it's rubbish in an, <laughs> in a twenty four hour race. <laughs> it's kind of how many times can you unlap yourself if you're six laps down that's the question yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like keep going back like, stop the safety car for a minute right now bring the safety car out again so and so just put it in the wall we'll, we'll unlap um i guess it makes the racing tighter 
it was a fantastic race at Le Mans this year, though, wasn't it? You know, it was great to see a number of manufacturers competing in the top yeah. class for for the win. It was, uh, yeah, really good. And then a bit of last minute bop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, so when when the uh, the revolutions are racing against other cars, do the I, I don't know what they race in in the states. You're saying this, the sports prototype cup is there a similar sort of thing in the UK? Do they do they try and get cars of a similar sort of thing, or it's like well, if you're racing in revolutions, you're kind of racing against the revolutions. Is that sort of how yeah? So so yeah. So so certainly in in the UK um, or the European series, they kind of have a revolution trophy. So you're in your own category, yeah. really. Um, I mean, obviously, you always want to race the other manufacturers and things like that. But in terms of, you know, podium, you've got the Revolution Trophy podium and, and things like that. In the States, it's a little bit different. So they will classify cars in the same category. So you'll have like a, a Revolution and an SR10, for example. Right, in, yeah. In the same category, racing against each other. Um, so they, they approach. Pragas? In the UK, you get Pragas. In the States, you don't. Um, so you typically get things like a wolf, you'll get, uh, radicals, you'll get revolutions in, okay, in, in yeah, the States. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the UK, you typically get Pragas, radicals, revolutions. Um, I think we had a wolf actually in, in Barcelona. Um, but yeah, you don't see Pragas in, in the series that we run in the States. And are they, they must be pretty similar pace to the revolution yeah very similar so um for example at, at silverstone um the when, when i told you about jonathan mitchell jumping in the car um you know he had a he had a uh, a 30 minute lap for lap battle with with a praga okay. um and they were you, you could see where each car was stronger in different parts of the circuit and it, and it made for really interesting watching actually. So, you, you know, you could see the different strengths of the cars and, and it made for a great, and a, a great race. And, um, so yeah, um, they're very similar paced and from one weekend to the other, it, it can really be down to the driver on who extracts the, uh, the most from, from the car. Where's uh, a, where's a revolution quicker than a, a Praga and where's a Praga quicker than a revolution? Is it Praga a little bit, well, Praga are, are lighter, so they're much more nimble yeah. through, through the quicker stuff. Um, I'd say, you, you know, we've got more power down straight and, and our downforce is, is probably more usable through the medium and high speed stuff. Um, so I'd certainly say through all the high speed and medium speed stuff, we were pulling away around Silverstone and they were closing up through all the, all the slow, uh, uh, all the slow sections so, and they're yeah. slowly getting cooked <laughs> ah. man i mean i i remember back to my gt times you know you got hot in a gt car i can't even imagine how hot you get in a prague the, the cockpit's so close Tiny to you little cockpit yeah. with big ass engine just yeah. pumping heat in never, yeah. i've never driven one but they yeah it does look a bit like an oven i must admit so uh yeah <laughs> that is one thing that i doing some you know having a radical driving a radical Apart from having your head ripped off and then you get a little bit of aero stuff on your hat and realize that that makes an unbelievable difference. Um, you sort of forget about getting too hot and then you get into something that's enclosed and you're like, hang on a minute. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite sweaty in here. Yeah. I mean, in the States, we've had a number of customers that have come from LMP cars. So they've gone, you know, they, uh, they're obviously wealthy guys and they've looked and said, well, I'll go with an LMP car. Yeah. And when I say a number, probably three or four that have gone, oh, I bought an LMP3 car and actually I just don't like the enclosed cockpit. And and, yeah. and, and we're a really great 
avenue for those guys because you know we can kind of give them the same technology and almost the same performance yeah. with an open cockpit um so yeah I, I think you've got to be you've got you've got to be a particular type of driver that can put up with a closed cockpit and uh um yeah it can be hot i would think <laughs> what so what do you see in in the future future of revolution i guess we talked a little bit about you know the cars evolving the way it's coming off um is there some are there some series or things you'd like to see with revolution moving forward oh yeah absolutely i mean we've got a a, a very ambitious business plan um it sees us want to build into more territories um you know so at the moment kind of the the main territories where we've got dealers and race circuits are america canada uh europe korea um we're just about to launch australia so it hasn't been announced yet um maybe by the time this podcast goes out it might be announced but we're we're, we're just launching in in australia uh with a with a dealer and a, and a team over there um so they're predominantly going to be focusing on track days to begin with they'll build a customer base and then and launch a series and they've got uh, a very good past history of doing that building mm. uh, championship so australia is kind of the 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 next one um um but then we want to do um uh, we want to do more territories than, than than that but we'll just take a territory at a time yeah. build build a, a customer base and a race series and, and and then go from there um we'd love to support f1 races again so something else we're working on so we, we've supported f1 races in in the past and nice um and um certainly our american teams are really keen and, and our canadian teams are really keen that we do that so that would be you know fantastic and something, something that we're trying to work on uh, yeah that that sort of thing getting on the card with other interesting right i mean f1's like this is like the top isn't it if yeah. you can be racing at an f1 weekend i mean happy days go watch your f1 and also go around the track like brilliant yeah 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 incredibly uh you know we've done we've, we've done uh monza and portimao uh with with f1 before now um so it'd be great to uh great to do that but yeah so so it's all about um you know building more territories but also making sure we're delivering the, the absolute best service we can to every territory we've got so you know we're still a small team a very personal team so um, you know, any owner, any dealer can pick up the phone and speak with Phil or James or myself, and and we we listen and take on board what what's got to say. You know, in the states, for example, when when they're racing, we we, we go over and we send factory support, and um, so you know, if we can do what we're doing in in our current territories, but help them do it more to a bigger to a to a bigger size and develop new territories at the same time, then then that be uh then that that's the that's the plan yeah yeah that'd be cool what slightly deviating but what made you come and work for a car company but from being in like from being in technology <laughs> being um, in technology yeah uh well i i mean i guess um but being able to combine my passion of motorsport with my skills in business yeah um i couldn't resist that opportunity really you know i um the, the the technology business I I was CEO of it was a listed business we 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 delisted it and sold it literally weeks before COVID it was we were so lucky that's um, good timing yeah we I, I mean we we had a board meeting in December 2019 and 
you know, we were going through the risk register and someone's this pandemic, should should we consider it on the risk register? And we were like, no, don't that won't come over to Europe, don't be stupid. You know, and three weeks later we closed the deal and three weeks after that we were all in lockdown and I just sat there and thought, Wow, that was incredibly lucky. Yeah. <laughs> um so, you know, all of the when you're when you're a CEO of a business like that, you you're always selling and you're always doing the commercials and um, being able to take what I learned on that and, and put it into motorsport and, you know, work with someone like Phil and James, you know, Phil Abbott and, and James Abbott. Um, and, you know, for those that don't know, Phil Abbott was one of the co-founders of Radical. Uh, his son, James Abbott, uh, Abbott, did a lot of the development on Radicals before they started Revolution. And, um, you know, so to be able to work with with two people, of, of in the industry with their background is just fantastic really you know and yeah. not only learning a lot from them but you can just be inspired by some of the ideas they have and, and the development they do and you look at you know you look at how great they got radical and how they built that and then they're just taking that to the next level with revolution and it's, it's inspiring really so um it didn't i didn't take much persuasion to say <laughs> yes uh, yeah i'll come and uh, i'll come and join yeah, it's like, do you want to go and play with race cars? Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah occasionally you can you can drive one. Can I? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Happy yeah. days. Yeah. Happy days. And um, then when Phil said, "Well, it's really important that when when you're selling a car that you that you can race it and you've got experience and you know about racing," I was like, "No problem at all. I'll I'll do all the research you need me to do on that front." Yeah, you're like, ah, but I'm lacking a bit of current experience. I think, uh, I think I need to do at least a season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's it, it's cool what they're doing, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm liking seeing seeing how it's, how it's developing. Um, I normally wrap these up with with five questions. Okay, are you ready? Do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey? Oh. Yes. Um, so I used to rally classic cars with my dad. Uh, so when my dad nice. was still, yeah. So when my dad was still, so okay, I'll, I'll rewind it and, go, and tell you the full story. So I am. Um, I probably wasn't the most applied person at school. <laughs> okay. Um, and when I say probably, really wasn't. And and I left school and, and went to college and got an okay okay college, but went to university. And my dad said to me, "Look, if you if you go to university and get a good degree." we'll enter the Monte Carlo rally together, which was a classic, uh, classic nice. Monte Carlo rally. So that was good. Uh, that was good motivation for yeah. uh, getting it, getting a good degree. So I left university with a first um, and said to my dad, right, come on then we're doing the Monte Carlo, aren't we? And uh, so he stood by his word and he bought a TR3A, a Triumph TR3A. We had no idea what we're getting ourselves into. We, we, we thought, we thought this thing wouldn't be very competitive. We thought it would be just kind of like a, a tour through the Alps and, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and for anybody that, that knows classic rallying, it's quite the opposite. Actually, you've got X rally drivers, extremely competitive and, you know, very, uh, you have to drive very quickly. And, uh, anyway, so we were going up, uh, and didn't really know much about, uh, uh, mountains or how the northeast side of a mountain is cooler than than the southwest side of the mountain oh, right. so, we, okay. yeah, so yeah. we're going up the southwest side of a mountain going up up the up the uh coal uh, very quickly and we went through a tunnel and we exited the tunnel on the east side of the mountain which was extremely snowy and icy and <laughs> we'd come up the nice sunny 
yeah, dry yeah. side. So we came through this tunnel, and as I came through this tunnel at about 55 miles an hour, and the road went sharp left and down a hill, I quickly realized there was no chance we were going to make that corner. <laughs> and uh, so I looked, and there was this, this row of trees, and, uh, and I picked a tree, and I aimed for the tree, and I made sure I got my headlights right in the middle of this tree. So we, we hit this tree. And we sat there, and my dad, who was navigating, looked at me and went, why the bloody hell did you do that? And I said, open the door, and go and have a look the other side of the tree, and you'll soon realize why I did that. <laughs> so he gets <laughs> out, he looks over, looks down this huge mountain drop and goes, I can see why you aim for that tree. <laughs> so that, that, that's probably my most most memorable uh, experience of, a, of, of, wasn't quite a road trip, but it was kind of a road trip, yeah. Um, yeah, that well, yeah. that experience, like, because it's I've I've driven in that sort of area, not not competitively, not very fast and whatever, but even just like straight driving to go skiing or whatever, you get that. You it's like sunny on one side, and then you come out yeah. and you're like, oh, sheet ice and snow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was exactly that. Yeah, yeah. That, that that sounds like quite a cool thing to be doing. Uh, if you could only drive one car for the rest of your life, sports car. What would it be? Ferrari three hundred eight. Oh, why? Yeah, uh, I, I, oh, when I was a kid, Magnum. Um, I, who didn't love and want to be, uh, want to be Magnum? And um, even you know, just driving those cars now, they they sound amazing and look amazing. They're pretty slow. Yeah. I'd probably say a Ford Fiesta is probably quicker. <laughs> You know, certainly if you pulled up to, to a traffic light, probably a modern Ford Fiesta would beat it off the line. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Not quite giving you the experience, though. No, exactly. You know, modern that, Ford Fiesta. That, that gearbox, that, um, you know, the way the engine sounds, you have to really be driving it. You have to be properly focused. Yeah, I'd probably say a Ferrari 308. Yeah. And actually, I, for, as far as goes, they're relatively affordable and, and serviceable. Uh, yeah. You know, they're probably just before they the crazily price ones i would definitely say having the chance to drive things like you know the revolution radical that sort of stuff it kind it just ruins a lot of the the idea of a track focused road car it just goes out the window you're like why would i bother that just makes no sense to drive that on track and the the thrill and exhilaration you get from driving the revolution you know the 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 g-force is that how quickly you can take the corners yeah you jump in a road car and uh take it around the track and it just seems yeah yeah like a boat yeah. it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter no. literally doesn't matter what it is no it's funny because like your friends who don't do motorsport they say why is it so hard to drive in the rain on the racetrack you know on the roads it's not that slippy but it's when you take a car to the edge and you know it's just so slippy isn't it and uh people and, uh, who don't drive they, on a track don't get it, on, on a track in the wet, like it, it has taken me a long time to get used to the fact that there's just a bunch of basically ice on the racing line. <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> That's the best way of all, describing yeah, it. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, what do you think is the most undervalued car at the moment? Revolution 500 SC. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Yours for base price of 160. Is that what they yeah. are? Uh, yeah, yeah, about 160, yeah. Um, to be honest, nothing's that cheap these days, are they? Um, you know, I'd say something like a, 
the old Land Rover Defender is is a fantastic car and fun to drive, but even those are ridiculously priced now. Um, is is this also a like a? It's just a natural thing as you age, everything seems expensive. I know. We, <laughs> I, I genuinely feel like everything is expensive at the moment, but like I also part of me has to check myself and be like, yeah, but you think like a whatever, I don't know, a beer not costing seven pounds or something in london you're like yeah, it should be two pounds is expensive. yeah so I yeah i think you've when you've got family and kids you just know that you've got to spend a load more on something else yeah. haven't you so uh, it probably seems expensive because you know you've got other you've got, other you've stuff got to buy that... five of them yeah. so i've been i've been terrible at answering this question to be honest i can't think of a car that should be uh, a cheap car that should be valued more um, okay well, that's all right yeah if, if something pops into your head let it up. Most interesting car. What are you Googling? What are you looking up? What are you thinking about? You've got to say that. And it's not a road car. Um, but that Ferrari that we're in Le Mans, the mm. design the design of that car, you know, even when you look at the the front wheel arches, um, you know, I do find I do find that car extremely, uh, extremely interesting and yeah, it's not a road car, but one you could look at and take design cues from and yeah uh, you know not only is it did it win but it looks just stunning it's a very cool looking thing i'm yeah. i'm 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 looking forward to it's it's a shame I, I can't not sort of see the ferrari win with a little asterisk on it this year and it was all super close it was all like great racing but there's just all this stuff that kind of happened behind the scenes and whatever that you like. With the balance of power and... Balance yeah. performance and like the change of the safety car rules and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, ah, can we just... Yeah. Just, can that just be none of that? But then I think... That's, that's it doesn't take away... Whatever. It's still an amazingly good looking car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 No, uh, uh, that, that, those... If someone said, what would you want to drive? It's... I, I have to lean towards the top end of prototypes. I, I'd love to drive an F1 car. Who wouldn't want to like, drive an F1 car? But like, yeah. in terms of things I've sort of driven, I've not really driven a very fast single-seater. So the idea of driving an LMP1 or a hypercar or something, or a hypercar in maybe a couple of years when they've developed them a little bit more and, yeah. and whatnot, it's just I'd love to know what that is like. Yeah. It must just be absolutely loony. Agreed, agreed. Final question. Five car garage, unlimited value. Ford Escort Mexico. Nice. Uh, Any particular reason? Oh, just because I think uh, when I was growing up, they they were uh, amazing cars. And I still think they look brilliant now. And I imagine they're extremely good fun to drive. Um, I'd have to say a Mini Cooper S, a 60s. Uh, Again, for exactly the same reason, to drive the most amazing cars you know like a like a go-kart on the road and just you just continue grin with them um <laughs> i so always I, see those at, at goodwood like and just go that looks like a lot of, they're having a lot of fun a lot of fun yeah yeah any any car that can consistently cop a wheel <laughs> then yeah you, just you know, fully fully yeah. lit the whole time just yeah. with varying degrees of slip <laughs> yeah yeah uh i'd have to say a ferrari f40 um, nice Oh, again, I mean, they're probably I mean, they're probably a car that don't actually drive that amazingly. You know, the turbo lag on those were pretty good. Were yeah, but, pretty good. But the look and everything about them, 
Uh, yeah, uh, iconic. Yeah, yeah. Um, modern, I, I guess, coming a bit more into 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 the modern. Uh, you can't, I can't get away from from the big actors, to be honest. You know, um, mm. you know, just the the level of technology and speed and everything that that they've built into into those cars. Um, and it's probably more the the technology marvel of them more than anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that they've kind of maximized everything. And, and uh, you know, like, you know, they've spent so much time making sure they work. Yeah. Like, not just getting a performance, because I think performance is relatively easy to get. Let's, let's just put some asterisks on that. But in terms of these sorts of projects, you can get the horsepower. That is that is doable. It's making the horsepower work day in, day out, start it up in the cold, in a car park, reverse up a hill, all, all that sort of stuff with this insane performance. And I can't help but look at something like the, the Chiron and whatever and go, it's pretty mad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I guess the final one would be a Porsche 959 just because it was the biggest competitor to the, F, uh, the F40 nice. in the same, same periods. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you two of those the in the same. Yeah, top two of those in the garage. It's slightly more practical. I guess I guess a nine five nine is probably pretty practical actually. It's nine eleven ish. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. No problem. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.